This podcast is brought to you by VinZero. VinZero pioneers solutions and services to the AEC and manufacturing industries to support net zero targets. Visit VinZero.com to learn more about how organisations design, build and solve through digitalisation. From VinZero to you, welcome to our Think Future podcast series. Each week we'll share conversations with industry leaders from around the world to find out how they're thinking future. Subscribe to VinZero Think Future for access to more episodes, interviews and profiles. While the industry was a slow adopter initially, innovative firms have approached technology adoption more strategically. Based in Minneapolis, a hub for healthcare and some of the country's largest medical and biotech companies, Knudsen has created a virtual design and construction division focused on identification and successful adoption of technology. Knudsen is an example of a firm that is redefining its relationship with technology and led by Katie Montag, they are on a continual drive to look out to what's next and stay ahead of the curve. We're joined today by Katie Montag. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Katie, you are the Director of the Virtual Design and Construction Division at Knudsen and you hold a Master's of Architecture and a Bachelor of Science in Environmental Design. Can you share with us some of your views on the role of technology in supporting net zero outcomes for the built environment? Yeah, with my Master's of Architecture and and my Bachelor of Science in Environmental Design, really that schooling was focused on looking at sustainable practices, site selection, material choices, how we source different materials, really with that driver of knowing that we're building in the environment. But when we look at how technology, which has really become my focus over the last couple of years, being able to use technology as a driver for a lot of those decision makings, understanding site selection or material choices as well, and how we can achieve some of those net zero goals. So I like to look at my my schooling and my background really put me in a position to be able to understand our built environment. And now my focus within technology allows me to do decision making with that technology as a tool uh, to make those choices. So Katie, Knudsen have been around for over 100 years, you're saying. Can you just tell us a little bit more about your background to becoming the Director of Virtual Construction for Knudsen? Yeah, my background really began um, on the architecture side. Actually, growing up, uh, my grandfather was a bricklayer, a mason, and I saw the built uh, spaces that he had, his in, in really incredible and impeccable craftsmanship. And so that really drew me to this world of being able to build and and buildings that stood the test of time, which brought me down that architecture path, being able to focus on design, um, how I could maybe, uh, rather than being in the field as a craft skilled worker, being able to design those spaces as well. So I started on the design side, but early on through my schooling and through my initial years of my career, I gravitated towards the technology. Um, Being able to look at it from 3D modeling, being able to apply it on the design side, but that quickly changed and where I saw there's a lot of application in the construction industry, an industry that is you know, notorious for um, traditional methodologies that have stood the test of time, being able to put a lot of that work in place with manual labor. There was a huge application for, for technology and being able to bring that to Knutson was something that I was extremely passionate about. Um, how we build in the field as a self-performed general contractor concrete is really a big part of our business. And 
there's a big opportunity with that concrete to be able to look at how we can plan out those pores, how we can use that um, that modeling in the field. And so there was a perfect fit to really mesh together my design side, my interest in the skilled craft labor that I got from my grandfather, and then put that into practice in the construction industry. Canoustan has certainly mastered the adoption of technology. What do you believe has been the driver behind this? So at Knudsen, uh, over our 100 plus years as a company, we've had to learn to adapt to be able to continue to evolve as a company, which has really ultimately uh, reflected in our why. We want to deliver the best experience to our customers that meet their needs. And technology really has become how we deliver differently to those customers. We have that goal of building their dreams, and we want to use that tool and that technology as a way to achieve that. In addition to just our why and kind of our culture at Knutson, it's also an opportunity to retain and attract employees as well. Uh, it's important in this world where we've got younger generation who may not be considering construction as an opportunity for their future career. Technology can help us bring them in the door or keep them here, but also allows us to be competitive within a very competitive market in the Minneapolis area. We're going to use that technology and as that differentiator to really appeal to other individuals looking to grow in the industry or at Knutson itself. And as a major player in the built environment for healthcare, you must be seeing and working on some great projects there in Minneapolis, thinking about some of those more sophisticated examples you're seeing of sustainable buildings. Is there a project you can share with our listeners that is delivering sustainability innovation? Absolutely. We have certainly uh, quite a few projects, uh, primarily within our uh, healthcare market sector, as well within our government and our education work. Uh, both of those are two industries that by nature have started to have sustainable practices as part of their requirements and as part of our building code uh, here in Minnesota as well. Minnesota has an SB 2030 goal, which is being able to look at sustainable practices by the year 2030. Uh, one of those that we are currently working on is a project. It's a new bus garage project um, that is owned and operated by the Metropolitan Council, which makes up really the, the counties around our metropolitan area. Uh, as part of that, though, they have sustainable practices that have built in. By nature, we know that mass transit and the bus garage is a form of sustainable practices, being able to reduce the carbon footprint and the emissions on the road. But that building itself also, one unique uh, aspect of it is it's taking an underground water storage. And that water storage is actually what's being used to wash the buses. So they're collecting that water and then washing those buses as well. Some other standard practices is being able to look at geothermal within that building, um, and then the future being able to uh, incorporate solar into it as well. So that's more on the, the government side of things. Um, we also have the healthcare market sector. One of our clients, which is an internationally known healthcare client, um, had goals to be able to reduce their energy consumption by 20% by the year 2020. They met that goal. They actually um, achieved it sooner than they had planned. And their next goal is to reduce their energy by 30% by the year 2025. So those are how some of our, our clients are taking an approach on sustainability and putting that really directly into the specifications and the project requirements so that we can deliver on those goals and make sure that we're, we're meeting that and really as a company driving towards sustainable practices. And it must be extremely satisfying for yourself and your division to help some of those customers realize those goals in sustainability. 
Absolutely. I think one of the fun things is, is we get a seat in a 3D environment built before it actually gets built. We have an opportunity to, to validate and verify that those systems are going to be operational. They're going to be in place in that digital environment before they ever get in place. Was it easy for Canoostin to make the changeover to adopt new technologies initially? You know, initially, it's always been a, a big part of how we want to service that as our customers. But one thing that continues to be is that we have to be mindful of who is going to be our end users. Um, we want to meet people where they're at. Everyone has different needs. Every project has different needs and project teams have different requirements. And so we need to meet those individuals where they're at. I don't want to take the approach of throwing technology simply for throwing technology at a project. We want to be more deliberate and more um, concentrated in our efforts than that. And then along with that, I want to fail fast. We don't want to wait to find out that our technology that we are looking at implementing wasn't going to work after three months of trying. We want to get in there, fail fast, and then be able to shift and pivot um, as we need to and adjust that. So I get questions a lot of, how do, you, how do you try to implement technology in an industry that has been doing it the same way for years? Um, we pride ourselves on hard workers. We pride ourselves on being able to put the best work in place and have that craft skills. So looking at that that is a need, we need to still maintain the best quality. We need to maintain um, really the health and safety of all of our individuals that are out on the field. And we can use technology to support that as well. So I'm going to go in and, and work on getting buy-in from those project teams and meeting individuals of understanding what their risks are, um, what their challenges are, and show them how supportive that our technology can be to advocate for that change. So we talked before about the pandemic and Canoostin's response to that. It certainly affected the industry. What were your observations of the role of technology in helping industry to navigate through the unprecedented challenges that presented? You know, technology, I think, through the pandemic was really an interesting uh, to look at it from the lens of stepping back a little bit. Every day I'm in technology. That's that's my my day to day task. But when you step back and you watch people who interact with it for the first time um, and now they're forced to no matter where you were at within the pandemic, you suddenly now were required to start to use QR codes to order your your lunch through a menu, or you had to schedule a telehealth visit and do a virtual call with your doctor. Technology became part of us as the entire world. It was a global shift in how we operated. And in a sense, it actually made my job easier than what it's ever been in the past. No longer did I have to push to be able to show a QR code on a job site. Everyone was ready to, to do that. And it, was a, it was a different application on a job site, but it was no different than them going to grab lunch. Or if there's a telehealth visit that they've had in the past, now we're just doing a Teams meeting for a call or a virtual meeting for a call. It becomes part of our everyday life. And so I saw faster adoption within technology through the pandemic just by nature of that in order for us to continue through and move forward, we had to adopt. One of my, one of my favorite examples is probably the use of uh, doing a virtual um, certificate of occupancy and using scanning as part of that. Never before have we seen a building inspector want to virtually inspect a project site. And so we had an opportunity 
through the pandemic, we needed to be able to open up one of our healthcare projects. And we completed a scan with one of our Matterport scanners, walk through that, do a full virtual walkthrough tour, shared that link with the building inspector, and then did a virtual call with them. And that allowed that inspector to actually inspect two of our projects within one day. And that's never been seen in our company before that we got two certificate, certificate of occupancies uh, within one day. And that's pretty, pretty powerful and pretty incredible that an industry that really required to be on site on, you know, on premise to really move that forward, saw that change and adoption of using that technology in something as simple as a virtual call and a scanning walkthrough to be able to move forward and to get projects open in the middle of a pandemic. That's a really great example. Do you think that the efficiencies that were uncovered during the pandemic with things like virtual walkthroughs will continue to play out in the industry? I certainly hope so. Uh, you know, that's where we're certainly seeing that that efficiency. It's hard to go backwards from that now when you don't have to drive to a job site as frequently as you had planned or you don't have to fly across the country or across the world to go to that job site. We, we can learn a lot that we were able to achieve and still continue to move forward based off of some of those efficiencies that we had put in place in the pandemic and learn from that, that we can be more flexible, we can be more creative and innovative in how we approach, approach those problems and find those solutions. And you say that uh, every day you're in technology, you're obviously passionate about it and, and about innovation. How are you looking forward or looking out to what's next? I really like to look out and have an, an R&D focus, right? A research and development focus, making sure that we're always staying in front of the curve. Um, um, our mindset within VDC is that we're a service. Our customers' needs are constantly changing. Our needs are constantly changing. And so we need to be able to stay in front of that by researching and looking at different applications. We're going to continue to emphasize understanding our customers, understanding their challenges and their concerns, um, and ultimately react to that or be proactive in that approach. As we look forward to what I think is going to continue to stay or be next is the idea of what I would call mobile or accessible technology. We've all gotten familiar with having our phone in our pocket to be able to take it to a job site and probably do more than we ever could thought possible with that. And to me, that's mobile technology, something that is on the go, something that is accessible in your pocket or, or on a mobile device and tablet. And you no longer have to lug around a large computer or you no longer have to have such high technical skills to be able to implement that. So I'm gonna to continue to be focusing on that idea of accessible and mobile technology to be able to apply it. And that goes back to that adoption as well. That is technology that gets adopted much quicker, much faster on those job sites when it is something that everyone has in their pocket and it's available to them. So beyond the actual construction of a building, what do you see is the role for technology in as-built? When we look at as-built and we think about the uh, long-term use of the project, especially in a healthcare market, what may be an operating room today may be turned into a different application or a different type of operating room in the future. And so as-built is critical to that. We need to be able to understand the systems that were in place and what we can and where we need to make any um, changes to those rooms or to that future. 
And so for us, the model, the 3D model that we have, as well as a lot of the scanning that we do while that project is being built, is being able to document those as-built conditions. Where it needs to go in the future is those facilities teams and the, the owners and operators need to start looking at how they may change their internal resources, their internal staffing to be able to have individuals on their teams that can use those models, that can use those scans as well. It's an opportunity to go beyond the project completion and then start to be able to use that model for facilities assessments, looking at it from maybe if there's a replacement or a new part that needs to be ordered or uh, replaced, we have that model as a resource. Or down the road when we need to be able to understand there's a new equipment that's going to be installed, we want to be con confirming that we're not hitting a pipe or we're not hitting medical gas. That's going to be critical to that as-built. But in order for that to go that direction, we need to continue to really bring the use and the knowledge of these technologies into that owner side as well. They're all strapped for resources uh, just like we are. And so we want to continue to help support them in that effort. I think you said when we talked earlier that you love the concept of the digital twin, but a lot of the time they, these scans and models tend to sit on a digital shelf. It'd be great to make them part of the norm in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're all used to that, right? You think about something, you write a book and maybe it ends up on the shelf or you read that. I think the model has become right now that digital shelf is you finish that model, you close it out, you meet the requirements of the project specifications. It's handed off to the owner um, and then it doesn't get touched again because there isn't an individual ready to use that or uh, something as simple as software licensing that hasn't been purchased from the owner side. And so we want to change that opportunity that someone on the receiving end of that model can continue to refer back to it and leverage it in the future. Is that a focus of Canoostin currently? I guess there's a focus on some of our larger healthcare organizations. Um, they have started to adapt and have a little bit more of that facilities mindset. Um, and so that is something that we are starting to be able to show the power and the use. Uh, even if it's something as simple as model training, here's the model when we, when we complete the project, here are the different models that are included in that. And then also looking at you know, we've blocked out access for facilities maintenance. If you need to service uh, a piece of equipment, we've reserved space for that. And so we're, we're being able to pass that model off and educate on the front end, but it's in very specific market sectors right now that are starting to get into that space. Are you looking for a digitalization and net zero partner to help you achieve your goals? Join the thousands of AEC and manufacturing customers globally who have turned to VinZero to start their journey toward a net zero future. With 32 offices around the world, VinZero can connect you to the right technologies and workflow processes so you can maintain your competitive position and increase profitability. VinZero has an industry expert to help you navigate the best pathway forward wherever you are on your digitalization and net zero journey. Visit VinZero.com to find out more. So what are some of the problems you think we need to be solving as an industry? One of the unique things, um, you know, we're all familiar with probably some of the, the labor shortages and being able to look at it for material and supply chain shortages. And I can come back to that in just a moment. But I think one thing that I see is more of a unique challenge or something that we need to look at is 
attracting more of a diverse workforce. We're all very familiar with uh, DE&I efforts and our commitment to being able to uh, provide a diverse workforce for the future. But diversity is now becoming as much equal to sustainability. We were most recently on an interview for a large project, and they actually paired diversity and sustainability as a same question back to our team. So no longer is diversity taking, I'd say, second to um, some of these other challenges or some of these other opportunities. It's moving right up there. And so I'm very passionate about being able to continue to create a much more diverse workforce. Me, certainly, uh, being a female in the construction industry, I'm very passionate about being able to continue to grow other females and expose them to the construction industry as well. But that's one area that I think we can continue to think about how we um, build up our diverse workforce within within Knutson itself, but within the greater construction industry. Can I ask on diversity, what would your advice be to someone considering a career in the industry? When I look at someone's career in the industry, there's certainly a few different opportunities, right? There's going into more of the the field side of aspect and the labor um, craft skilled workers. And then there is more of your project management. And of course, these offshoot roles like my VDC or our estimated and pre-con department, I would encourage at the youngest age possible to be able to job shadow or to be able to have an opportunity to do an internship. We actually just went through a local high school here supporting two interns within our company so that even as young as 17 and 18 years old, they can start to look at construction as a potential career Um, and being able to see that there is uh, opportunities, both with technology uh, integrated into that as well, but that it is a great opportunity. And, And that includes when I look at the diverse side of it is getting other populations exposed to construction as well um, and and seeing and educating them on what uh, what career paths there are. And let's just circle back for a moment to the other problems that you indicated around supply chain management. Yeah, you know, every one of us has been affected by supply chain uh, challenges from our daily lives to our professional lives, I'm certain at this point. And so we as a company, um, we are having talks daily with our owners about alternative construction materials, looking at different uh, timelines that are out there, being able to understand how we procure uh, different materials um, and or what that time frame looks like. Do we need to shift the the construction duration? Do we need to adjust when different areas or things are getting installed? And and that's all part of that supply supply chain challenges that we're experiencing. And I look at technology allows us to be able to think differently through that, being able to look through a different lens. Maybe it's as simple as a 3D model and swapping out different um, structural systems or different volumes of concrete versus something else. We have an opportunity with our technology to look at that um, ways that we can procure materials differently. So you mentioned there the use of drones. Let's elaborate on that a little more. Drones to me is probably uh, one of the fastest growing areas of our VDC department. Um, There are so many applications that are out there. Most of us think of just photographs, right? We're all familiar with a drone photograph at this point. Um, But what is coming and what continues to grow is the use of drones for scanning, being able to scan and look at elevation and grading, being able to use our drones for inspections. 
um, all powerful tools that you can capture so much from a drone and ultimately reduces our footprint or our impact on that site. What maybe for an inspection required days of foot travel across a roof, we can now do with a drone in a couple of hours and we can capture thermal images, we can capture high resolution images that maybe would show water pooling. It's an opportunity to be able to take a, a traditional photograph and, and step it up a couple notches and, and start to use it for our scanning, start to use it for grading. Um, and that's an area that's gonna keep growing and I'm excited to, to see that grow as a tool that's gonna to become more and more accessible and available on job sites. Let's talk a little more about some of the pilot projects and your success with those. I like to use pilot projects as that opportunity for us to fail fast and meet people where they're at. Those pilot projects are so critical to understanding those end users. Um, I can look at specific individuals and work with specific individuals to understand their needs on a one-on-one -on -one basis and then understand that project needs. And that's where we get a chance to work directly with those users. They can tell us what, what, what is working, what isn't working, what we need to adjust and change before we try to roll out a technology to the masses or to a larger larger hole at the company. And so those pilot projects are really critical to how we implement and how we adopt technology at Knutson. It's an opportunity for us to gauge how successful something uh, is going to be um, and also kind of flesh out some of the details before we, we roll it out at a much bigger scale. And that's going to be something that I would recommend to anyone trying to implement new technology. Find those people that are supporters, that are your advocates, of change or are open to trying and adjusting and then use that project as a pilot project um, so that you can work one-on-one -on -one and you don't have to deal with maybe some of that struggles of just implementation and change management. You've got someone who's ready to react, someone who's ready to respond and work through that with them on a one-on-one -on -one basis. A great opportunity to walk side by side with your clients and meet them where you're at or where they're at, as you said. Absolutely. I would say for me, I'm very much interested in the implementation of this uh, technology or of new technologies. You know, you, you mentioned concrete, right? Concrete is one of those that you've got a team that lays concrete. They, they have been doing it for years. They're experts at it. Um, how do we make change in a, in a market like that? How do we be able to understand um, and, and meet people where they're at? To me, a lot of this is about change management. Uh, no different than probably some of the stuff we all experienced in the pandemic, right? How do we get people comfortable um, with this change and that it becomes second nature to them, that they they realize they needed it and don't want to do it any other way without the use of our VDC team. And, and they're prepared to pay for it. And they're prepared to pay for it, yes, absolutely. Because that, that's part of the challenge, isn't yeah. it? It's a lot more expensive to manufacture. You know, that's certainly one thing, too, that we, we, you know, when I talk about adoption, too, is being able to look at the ROI on different technologies and different um, equipment or softwares, because everyone is very much focused on the very tangible costs associated and kind of, I would say, the soft costs or the intangible stuff when I think about um time save that you can't quite quantify because you don't have the answer yet when the technology hasn't been implemented. Being able to understand how you quantify it to, to see that change, I think, is so important because at the end of it, 
once we get through it, we almost always end up saving money, whether it's in saving costs because we're more efficient in installing, or we are saving, um, you know, rework, I guess, because we caught a problem before it got installed. But those are costs that no one can really quite quantify because you haven't actually occurred those costs yet until they hit. So it's trying to sell technology to prevent a future problem, but it isn't a problem yet today. So that's probably something that when I think about uh, how do we focus on that ROI of almost unknown savings that we can't quite sell yet. We have a lot of times where the first the first project is the hard sell. And then once we see that a project using a 3D model, you know, mitigated a risk or was able to install, we'll call it hangers out in a concrete deck faster, um, now it becomes necessary and they wouldn't want to do it any other way. But it's very hard to convince someone of that if they've never done it that way from the beginning. So that ROI is a component that's easier after that first sell, but the first time is always that that hang up because you're trying to sell something that hasn't actually been put in place yet. And then that circles back to your concept of the pilot projects. Absolutely. that's Those pilot projects uh, certainly uh, support that. And then those individuals become our advocates and our, our almost internal sales individuals. Word of mouth spreads quickly when things went Went, went well that everyone wants it. So Katie, I love your enthusiasm and I love your excitement for the industry. When you think future, what has you most excited? I am the most passionate and most excited about younger generations, being able to get younger employees and younger staff interested in construction. Um, that's what grabbed a hold of me of being able to look at construction through the generations, going all the way back to how I saw my grandfather. Um, and I want to be able to pass that and pay that forward. There's an opportunity that a lot of indi individuals don't see construction as a technology industry, and I want to change that perception. Um, those tools that they probably grew up with in their hand at this point, uh, most younger generations grew up with a computer at their fingertips or their phone at their fingertips. And so merging and, and marrying together that technology that's become part of them with the construction industry is, is really exciting to me. There's new tools out there every day. When I look at scanning, when I look at drones, um, opportunities to be able to still be in the construction industry, but have a whole new take on it, a whole new approach um, of bringing these tools with tried and true methods um, that's been used. And then the historical information of some of our long-term uh, you know, employees that have that historical knowledge, but pairing that with some new, new technology is really exciting to me. So Katie, exciting times ahead for Canoostin, and we certainly look forward to watching your space. Thank you again for being on the program and sharing your thoughts on technology and innovation at Canoostin. Thank you for having me. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about Canoostin and just as we continue to adopt technology and see change within the industry. This podcast was brought to you by VinZero. VinZero helped the AEC and manufacturing industries keep pace with digital change and achieve their technological and sustainability leadership goals. VinZero is a company that cares about creating and building a better world. Together, we are working with industry and environmental experts, providing forums and platforms 
through our Vinzero Think community to create conversations that matter to our future generations. We invite you to join in the conversation and participate in our Think community. Like and subscribe to Think Future to stay up to date with the latest innovations and conversations as we take AEC and manufacturing around the world closer to zero. You can download our podcasts at vinzero.com or from your favourite podcast platform. From Vinzero Think Future, thanks for listening.